<clears throat> Beloved congregation, last week we considered the great sorrow the people of Judah had when their beloved King Josiah was killed in battle. And then the prophet Zechariah refers to that because this event was very well known among the people of Judah because every year after the death of King Josiah they had a special day of mourning. Every year they would remember the death of their beloved king Josiah. So the people were well acquainted and familiar with this sorrow it was kept alive among the people. And so when Zechariah refers to this, the people know very well what this is all about. And so the prophet Zechariah explains that again there will be such a great sorrow, but there will be a godly sorrow, a sorrow because of sin in their lives. And that will happen when God pours out his Holy Spirit upon them. And we saw an initial fulfillment of that on the day of Pentecost, when there were thousands of men in Jerusalem who were filled with his grace, with his spirit of grace and supplication. And they saw their great need. And they cried out, what must we do to be saved? And they were broken they had a godly sorrow. But there's also that godly sorrow is something that is recognized and known by all God's children. That is a godly sorrow because they do not love God as they should. They do not honor God as they should. And to their dismay, they realize that their lives are still connected to sin. And that gives them this sorrow this godly sorrow that works repentance. And for such people, the Lord has provided a fountain, a fountain of cleansing. And that's what we reflect upon this morning. In Zechariah 13, verse 1, that in that day there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. So those 3,000 men on the day of Pentecost, they were baptized, they were washed, and they were immersed in that fountain, we can say, open to the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And they were added to the Christian church. They were cleansed of all their uncleanness. And this fountain, obviously, you will understand, that is a reference, a clear reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is the fulfillment of this text. He is the fountain opened up for poor sinners. And at a fountain, when you're weary and you have traveled and you come to a fountain, you can somewhat wash yourselves. You can cleanse yourself. Well, this fountain, the Lord Jesus is set up for cleansing, to the cleansing 
not from physical filth, but from spiritual filth. They are cleansed. Their people are cleansed and washed from all their sins. Because Scripture clearly says that about the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, that it is a remission of all our sins. A sinner will be made pure or will be considered to be pure through the washing in the blood of Christ. And that's beautifully displayed here at the Lord's Supper, that that bread is broken and the wine is poured out. It's given to us as a, as a sign of that full remission of all our sins. And this morning, weary sinners, afflicted sinners, who may have been assaulted this past week, they may come to this supper of the Lord to be quickened and refreshed and comforted. So it's a fountain opened for sin and for uncleanness. And that's not only for the house of David. It's not only for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. But all sinners need to be washed in this glorious fountain, Christ Jesus. Because the blood of the Lord Jesus is sufficient for the sins of the whole world. It's a beautiful illustration, this imagery. It's very clear. Boys and girls will understand that too. Just as water washes you a filth away, so the blood of Christ cleanses you from your spiritual filth, your sin. And what happens then when the sins are covered, when you are washed, then all your sins are washed and the sins are removed and the sins are never to be mentioned again by the Lord. He will never come back to them. Those sins, he casts them, Micah says, into the depths of the ocean. And when you cross the ocean, some of you have done that, and then you see there's huge water. There's no land to be seen. And how deep would it be? You have no idea how deep it would be. And then that's as far as the Lord puts the sins of his people, never to be seen again. The original guilt, the guilt of Adam and Eve that is imputed to us, that's removed. The actual sins you've done, they are removed. And the sinful inclinations, they are covered. The water of this fountain cleanses immediately. The smallest faith that looks to the Lord Jesus Christ that will lead to an immediate cleansing of all their sins. You remember Naaman he had to be dipped in the River Jordan seven times. And you know he didn't initially wanted to do that. And then his servant said, well, it won't do you any harm if you do it. So why don't you do it? He had to do it seven times. You don't have to do that. Just once. And that's enough. Once. And who are then cleansed? 
the people who confess their guilt. These are the people from chapter 12. These are the people who grieve, who confess their sins personally. They have a godly sorrow, and their works of repentance. They turn to the living God. For such people who do not know where to go with their guilt, who can never make up for what they've done wrong, for such people the Lord opens this fountain. And it's open for all kinds of people. It's for royalty, house of David, but it's also for common people. It's for rich and poor. Makes no difference, for all have sinned and forfeit the glory of God. And yet sinners are justified by grace through his blood. Do you have sorrow that you are not who you should be? Do you have sorrow because of your sins? And do you think it's terrible that sin is still brewing within you? Although it's against your will, you try to resist it, but it comes up again repeatedly. You've confessed this before the Lord then it cannot be otherwise, but you desire Christ and you look to him and you need him as this fountain, the one who was pierced because of our sins. And you, and you long for the Lord Jesus. Well, then you belong to those people of Zechariah chapter 12, the people who look upon him whom they have pierced. And then you confess with the words of the form for the Lord's Supper that you're lying in the midst of death, but you seek your life outside of yourself in Christ Jesus. And then you may know that this fountain is opened also for you. And then you may rejoice in this fountain. And you may long for Christ, more and more of Christ in your life. You cannot live without Him. You desire Him in His fullness as your Lord, as your King, as your ruler, as your priest, as your prophet, as your all in all. And you desire that He would lead your life and that you would no, no longer belong to yourself, but you would belong to Him and in life and death that you would be his possession. Such a blessing. Such people are here to be confirmed in their faith at the Lord's Supper. But if you do not have that godly sorrow, and you, you do not confess your sins before the Lord. And you know, it's not the case that all of God's children see all of their sins. That's not true. So people should not be waiting until they think they have enough knowledge of their sin. The smallest knowledge of sin, that's already sufficient to drive you out to Christ. The Puritans, that's what the Puritans used to say when they asked how much 
knowledge of guilt is necessary, just enough that will drive you out to Christ. And then you confess that you are totally sold under sin. That's what Scripture tells us. That there's no righteousness in you. You may not see that all. You may not experience that all in the full depth. But you may confess it and you believe it and you state that before the Lord and you desire Him to, to renew your life and to lead you and to save you. Well, then you see value in this fountain. Just as those men on the day of Pentecost who were pricked in their heart And Peter says to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This fountain was open to them. This fountain had been there, but they didn't see it. It was closed to them. It was hidden to them. And that was also the case under the Old Testament. When the sacrifices were brought, at that stage they did not know about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. It was still hidden to them. The blood of the sacrifices that referred to the blood of Christ. But the real reconciliation was still closed up. It was still hidden. The Old Testament was a time of the shadows this fountain still had to be opened. And it was opened at the moment of the suffering and the death of Christ. And yet at that moment, there was hardly anyone who recognized this fountain. The Romans didn't, the Jews didn't, the, the disciples even didn't. And the women didn't who were standing at the cross. Maybe that one criminal hanging on the cross. Maybe he saw that fountain when he fled to the Lord Jesus. Remember me. But when that fountain was opened, nobody saw it. And therefore the Spirit of God came down at Pentecost. And then the Spirit of grace and supplication caused people to See this fountain opened up, just like Hagar, when she had to flee, or she was fleeing from Sarah, and then she thought, we're going to die of thirst. There was a fountain, but she hadn't seen it. And then it was shown to her. There was water there. And so it is with this fountain. It has to be open to you. By nature, it's closed to us. We need to see this fountain. We need to be washed in this fountain and go to this fountain and to recognize that therefore the Lord Jesus is most necessary for us. And now the Lord Jesus is proclaimed to us as an open fountain, no longer a hidden fountain. He's an open fountain. He is also approachable. You may come to him. It is opened, approachable. And that's for penitent sinners. 
Now, we cannot say that there are many obstacles between us and the Lord Jesus because this fountain is opened. It's proclaimed. It's always open. If you need to go to the hospital, the hospital is always open 24-7. It never closes. And likewise, Christ is always open. But realize that the Lord can close that fountain again. And then the time of grace has departed. And that can happen already during this life that if we've refused to surrender our lives to Him and if we refuse to lay low before the Lord Jesus and we're always maintaining our own self-will and we're always going against Him and the time may come that you have no desire anymore even to think about the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's happened then is that the time of grace has departed from you. Because after the Lord repeatedly invites and calls and offers, and if we, if we ignore him, then a God can give up a person to his own lust and to his own sinful desires. And the Lord lets that person be. And he goes on galloping to his own destruction. And therefore do not take the time of grace for granted. For now is still the time of grace. The fountain is open today, now, for you. He's an open fountain. But don't take this for notice, but repent and flee and come. Make haste for your life and rest upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Look to him that is faith, because now the Lord desires greatly that polluted souls would make use of his blood now sinners are freely invited to come to this open fountain. What sorrow the Lord Jesus had that he had desired to gather Jerusalem as a hen gathers her chickens and he wept over Jerusalem because they did not want him. Let the Lord not say that about you or me because he is worth everything. He is the best master in life. He is the fountain, full of cleansing. A fountain gives an abundance of water. Well, the Lord Jesus gives an abundance of reconciliation, of salvation. A fountain keeps on flowing and likewise, the Lord Jesus is a continual flow of reconciliation, of cleansing. There's an abundance of merit in Christ. In the temple in Jerusalem, there was this brazen, this copper wash basin that was used for cleansing for the, for the priests and the Levites to do their work. But that cleansing was very limited. That water was very limited. 
But this fountain Christ is unlimited. It's enough for all your sins. And the fountain is also pure. New water comes up every time. There's no impurity in the blood of Christ. He is perfect, pure. And look how perfect that cleansing power of Christ is. Saul of Tarsus, that wolf, the terror of the early church, was cleansed. Manasseh, that ungodly king who came to repentance in the prisons of Babylon, his sins were cleansed. Those are examples of the cleansing power of this fountain. And an innumerable multitude have already been cleansed by this fountain. They were all sinners. They've all been washed and forgiven. What an abundance of grace is there in Christ. And so at the Lord's Supper, you may reflect on this abundance of grace which lies in Christ. His precious blood. It has everlasting implications. The Lord Jesus is highly exalted and He will take His people to be where He is with Him in glory. And at the Lord's Supper, consider what it cost him. He had to bear the wrath of God fully. You and I deserved to suffer innumerable reproaches because we had sinned against the most high God, but he sent his Son to die in place of sinners. He had to empty the cup of the wrath of God. He displayed the love of God. He was immersed in this in a fountain of misery to prepare life and salvation for poor sinners. Therefore, realize this privilege to be here to hear this gospel. And let it not return unto the Lord void. And let us be blessed at the Lord's Supper. Amen. Congregation, we will continue to read the second part of the form for the celebration of